This episode of Historium is sponsored by Blueberry. Blueberry is the gold standard in podcast hosting, and that's why we use it to host all of our podcasts here on the Orbital Jigsaw Network. If you would like to get started making your own podcast and are looking for a way to host it, or you're using another podcast hosting platform and simply want to switch, you can get one month free podcast hosting through Blueberry if you go to orbitaljigsaw.com history. In 2005, a pandemic spanned the world. Not the real world, but the world of Warcraft. This is a story about a weird bug in a popular RPG video game, and what a virtual plague can teach us about real-world pandemics and epidemiology. I'm Jake Barton, welcome to Historium. This is episode 60, The Plague of Corrupted Blood. World of Warcraft is a massively multiplayer online role-playing game that was first released in 2004 by Blizzard Entertainment. Players would create a character avatar that would roam around a fantasy world exploring, finding weapons and armor, fighting monsters, and clearing out hostile dungeons throughout the realm called Azeroth. And it's always evolving. Developers keep the game fresh by adding new content in the form of quests, realms, and new dungeons. One such addition in 2005 was Zul'Garub, a dungeon raid deep in the jungle. A maximum of 20 players could venture in to defeat the evil monsters, the toughest of which was the final boss, the malevolent god Hakkar the Soul Flayer, a huge blue and red flying snake monster. When attacked, Hakkar would place a harmful debuff spell called Corrupted Blood onto players that would do damage every few seconds, accompanied by a virtual splash of blood. Most everyone who plays video games knows that debuffs are a common tactic deployed by high-level enemies, but this one had a twist. Corrupted blood could spread to other players in close proximity to the infected character. This presented an interesting challenge for the final boss encounter and encouraged players to spread out instead of piling up together. For obvious reasons, the contagious corrupted blood debuff could only affect players in the high-level dungeon which you entered via portal. Once you left the dungeon and returned to the outside world, the debuff disappeared. There was no way the disease could escape, or so the Blizzard developers thought. You see, one of the classes in the game is a hunter. If you play as a hunter, you have the ability to summon and dismiss a pet, like a bear or wolf or gorilla or whatever, at will. During the first week of the Zul'Garub update, some random hunter joined a raiding party, entered the new dungeon, and attacked the final boss, Hakkar the Soul Flayer. At some point, Hakkar cast the Corrupted Blood debuff on the hunter's loyal pet, draining its health rapidly. The hunter quickly dismissed their pet to save it from dying, and the eagle or snake or whatever vanished from the map. Soon the hunter's raiding party defeated Hakkar. They resurrected the dead and divvied up the epic loot, and then left the dungeon through the portal. Little did they know, the hunter's pet, which had earlier been dismissed, was still carrying the corrupted blood debuff, hidden in lines of code. This group then did what almost every other raiding party did after successfully clearing a dungeon, went to a nearby city to sell their rare materials and repair their weapons and armor. Now we don't actually know who this hunter was, but at some point after defeating Hakkar and returning to the city, after crafting some potions maybe or buying new armor, they decided to resummon their pet. 
And when they did, the player must have recoiled from their screen in horror when they saw blood still splashing out from their pet. The splashing blood effect quickly spread to the hunter themselves, Patient Zero, and then to other players nearby. The corrupted blood debuff had entered Azeroth. Lower level characters died almost instantly upon exposure to the disease, while higher level characters ran around confused at how they were taking damage within the confines of a safe city. Even non-player characters like town guards and merchants caught the disease as well. Hundreds of bodies covered the streets as players frantically tried to figure out what was going on. Soon the plague spread throughout the region and eventually to every large population center, and many player collectives called guilds urged their members to go into hiding. Small groups of players reconvened in the countryside and were wary of any strangers before checking to see if they had the Corrupted Blood debuff. Within 24 hours, Corrupted Blood had spread to every continent in the game. Some players took to online forums to complain to the developers about a game that was now unplayable, while others praised Blizzard for such an immersive realm-wide planned event. Internally, Blizzard had no idea what to do or how to respond. Outbreaks were happening on every server and skeletons were piling up everywhere. As Blizzard was trying to work out a solution, they asked the players to temporarily self-quarantine. Sound familiar? It turned out that many players had already been quarantining themselves, and servers that responded quickly and more proactively fared much better when the disease inevitably reached them. However, many players didn't believe Corrupted Blood was as bad as people were letting on, or thought that they were high enough level to ignore it, and went about their business as usual. Again, sound familiar? The pandemic overtaking World of Warcraft was so incredible it drew the attention of actual epidemiologists, who used it as a case study for the rapid spread of a deadly disease. Epidemiologists have a tough job. Their field is a combination of biology, medicine, statistics, geography, and even a little murder mystery. Rarely are pandemics able to be studied in real time. So for decades, epidemiologists have used complex simulations to map out diseases and see the rate at which they could spread. But those simulations have a glaring weakness. They lack the inherent unpredictability of human behavior, especially in times of stress. The massive corrupted blood outbreak in World of Warcraft has since been studied by epidemiologists eager to gain insight on human behavior during a pandemic. And it turns out that World of Warcraft has a ton of parallels to our world that researchers could study as well. First off, the disease started from an animal and transferred over to humans. Many real-world diseases start from an initial transmission from an animal to a human. This crossing from one species to another is what forms novel viruses, and is often what gives pandemics their names. Swine flu, avian flu, even coronavirus is believed to have crossed from a bat to a pangolin to a human. Another similarity is the different effects that resulted from getting corrupted blood. High-level players were a real-world counterpart to younger, wealthier, or healthy people because they usually had enough hit points or potions or healing spells to deal with the damage they would take. On the other hand, low-level players would die almost instantly upon infection 
and represent how real-world diseases affect high-risk groups such as people who may be poorer or sicker or older. Non-player characters acted as asymptomatic carriers since they could get the debuff but were immune to dying from its effects. Other similarities include the disease spreading based on proximity to others, making large urban centers the most heavily hit. The game also includes a system of portals, which allows players to forgo traversing long distances on foot and simply teleport from city to city. These portals operated similarly to airports in our world, with people fleeing infected cities, but oftentimes bringing the disease with them. Some classes with healing abilities, like priests or druids or shamans, acted as first responders and did their best to heal their sick allies. But their care may have caused more harm than good, as it allowed the infected players to continue to spread the debuff. Some players saw the outbreak as an opportunity to sow even more chaos. These trolls would go to the jungles of Zul'Gurub, intentionally have their pet infected with corrupted blood before dismissing them. They would then go to major cities and make demands of the populace, threatening to release the plague upon the city if their demands were not met. Others would simply use the plague against factions they were at war with, or would simply release the disease and relish in the chaos that they created. The intentional spread of the disease was so common that years later, researchers at the Center of Terrorism and Intelligence Studies believed that World of Warcraft could provide a powerful new way to study how terrorist cells form and operate. They even reached out to Blizzard for data about the incident. However, Blizzard has been reticent to provide data for obvious PR reasons. They don't want their game to be in any way associated with bioterrorism. Another aspect of the corrupted blood pandemic was curiosity, where players would rush into infected areas to witness the infection and then rush out. This parallels real-world behavior, specifically how journalists would cover an incident and then leave the area potentially spreading the disease further. All of these similarities are what drew epidemiologists to study the corrupted blood plague, but there are still some naysayers. For one, the ability to respond makes death more of a nuisance than a tragedy. The stakes are simply too low to provide true behavioral analysis that translates to the real world. Other critics also noted the skewed Warcraft population of mostly younger American males without dependents, which sounds like a burn, nerds, which added further complications to the data. But epidemiologists have found what they've learned to be useful, much more helpful than simple logarithmic simulations and traditional models. Several scientific papers on the corrupted blood incident have been published in medical journals over the years. In the end, Blizzard had to kick everyone off of the game and close all of the servers in order to fix the problem. They patched the game code to not allow the corrupted blood debuff to leave the dungeon at all, which ended the disease and the realm-wide pandemic. If only it was that easy for us. Historium is written and produced by me, Jake Barton, and my story editor is Thomas Harlander. Historium is a part of the collective of independent podcasts called the Orbital Jigsaw Network. Here are some facts that didn't make the episode. While researching the ways that epidemiologists use simulations, I found that the U.S. government had a huge simulation that it ran last year called Crimson Contagion. 
they did very, very poorly. The final report showed nationwide confusion during the exercise. Federal agencies jockeyed over who was in charge. State officials and hospitals struggled to figure out what kind of equipment was stockpiled or even available. Cities and states disagreed on closing churches or schools. The report now seems ominously prophetic. You can follow Historium on pretty much any social media, and you can support my work on Patreon. For just five bucks, you can get access to all of my bonus episodes, including my newest one, releasing this week about Marvel Comics and how their lawyers once argued that the X-Men were not human, despite the Marvel characters fighting for their humanity in almost every issue. Another way to help the show is to rate and review Historium wherever you listen, or to share your favorite episode with a friend. Stay safe, and do your best to find new ways of coming together, even as we must stay apart. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>